by the grace of God. Have you ever wondered what God's will is? You ever thought about it? Well, I have, and I, that's what the purpose of this message is, is questions that I'd like to ask God. Hey, God, what's your will in this situation? Here's what I know that a lot of people don't ask for God's will. There are a lot of born-again believers that never take time to say, well, you know, God, I think I'd like to know what your will is in this situation. You know, we get the numbers, the numbers get right. We gather the facts, we do our due diligence and the research and said, based on this research right here, this is what we need to do. And often never stop to say, but God, is this your will? And I can tell you that a lot of people have gotten in a whole lot of trouble because they didn't say, but what is the will of God in this situation one individual, John Brodus, said, success is knowing the will of God and being right in the center of it. We also know that God's desire is for us to know his will. I can prove it. Paul writes in Ephesians 5, verse number 15, notice, be very careful how you live, not as what? Come on, y'all. Not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are what? Therefore, do not be what? Foolish, but understand, read the rest, what the Lord's will is. There it is. God said, I want you to know what my will is. I want you to know that. Well, then God, if you don't mind, why is it that sometimes I'm confused? Uh, why is it sometimes I get frustrated? If you want me to know God's will, why don't you make it clear? Why don't you just kind of write it on the wall like you did in the Old Testament there so that I can know I want to do your will. I want to walk in your way, but I, I really would. I'd, I'd like to know it. And you know what God says? I want you to know my will. But for your benefit, for your growth, for your maturity, for your wisdom, there is a process that often takes place so that you can know what my will is. Now, you say, well, okay, let's, let's discover that for just a few moments. God's will is not a feeling. Say that with me. God's will is not a feeling. It's not you go get you a mat somewhere just get you a mat laying out in the middle of nowhere sit down cross your legs and say hmm, hum. or you just go that's not how you discern God's will God's will is is not a Feeling, why feelings change. Different feelings change from time to time. You get, it's not a sensation, it's not an impression. Well, it feels like an impression to me. May I say to you, I ran into individuals, I've run into some before that, that they have a pipeline for God's will. I had an individual that I was uh, in a meeting with the other day and talking to, and he's a pastor and he was talking about some issues and we were that's kind of challenging among those issues some of those decisions and 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 he said God told me I said he did he said yes sir God told me God told me to do this and that and then we we're moving on the conversation he said but God told me that 
moved on in the conversation, and he said, and God told me that. As a matter of fact, I went to the leadership of my church, and I told them, God told me. Well, that was about as far as I could go. And I said to him, I've been in ministry now for a little more than half my life of 25 years. And I said, I can count on two hands the number of times that I have emphatically said, God told me. Really? I said, that's right. I use terms like, I feel led of the Spirit. I use terms like, I believe I'm listening to the Spirit of the Lord and He might be directing us. I've used terms like, you know, Lord, I'm, uh, I, I think I'm in the process here, and so, so maybe this is your voice. But I've never said more than this many times, God told me. And do it as emphatically as you do. Do you know what you do when you tell a lay person, your leadership, God told me, what are they going to say? What if God hasn't told them? What if God hasn't spoken to them? I said, you emphatically say, thus saith the Lord, God told me. That's the infallible word from you, their pastor. So if they challenge it, they might assume we're going against God. And I said, son, you're just not that smart. It becomes infallible. Infallible. I said, so be careful that you use that term and use it with, with respect. Well, why do you base it on that? Well, you see, it wasn't easy for the Apostle Paul many times to ascertain what God's will is. I'm talking about God's perfect will. He struggled with trying to determine what the will of God was on many occasions. Many times he had no idea what to do next. We also know that feelings aren't reliable your feelings come and go with your emotions. They come from different sources. You've watched, you've watched a, a movie on television. It's got you all worked up. It's law and order, and they're going after the guy, and you're, you leave that and say, it's God's will. I go tell that person off because they need to hear it. Bless God. You get in trouble, or you're fatigued, and you're tired. Or I read a book, and the book, told me five things that I need to do. We get another book. There's another one that says 10 things. There's another one that says 21 things. There's another one that says seven things. God's perfect, perfect number. But let me give you a secret. <clears throat> that is God's will. The one book that never misses that will always give you God's will, thus saith the Lord, is this book right here. It never, never. You're going to clap, clap, everybody. Let's do it together. That book right there. Unfortunately, unfortunately, not many people really ingest that book, thus saith the Lord. Here's something else. I have a casual friend who uh, gave this testimony. He said in school, in high school, there was an individual <coughs> that 
constantly would tell people, small groups or whatever the case, one or two, thus saith the Lord. God's telling me about you. This is what God says. He said, of course, some of us looked at him like he was a quack. Well, he was. But other people that were vulnerable, other people that had never delved into spiritual issues, they bought it hook, line, and sinker. He got to feeling pretty good about his ability to draw people, and he started a little church. And that little church began to grow, and their services would last for hours. And it was primarily about, thus saith the Lord, God said for you that you are to go home and bring all your savings back here. God has said you need to divorce your spouse. They're an unbeliever, and you need to come and engage here in the church. He said, I watched that friend, casual friend that I went to high school with, do that. And finally, I watched him as he moved to Ghana. When he moved to Ghana, he took his church congregation with him and a few others. And when he got over there and got in trouble, and the time came that he was being investigated, he convinced all those, after it indoctrinated them, to drink the Kool-Aid. And so the story of Jim Jones, the guy I went to high school with, is resident today if you Google it. You see, friend, you and I can know the will of God. But Jeremiah says the heart is deceitful. He said, be careful, the heart is deceitful. And then God's will is not a formula. God's will is not a formula or a mechanical process, okay? If I put A, B, C, I'm going to come to the conclusion of D. That's what I, it's not a recipe, it's not automatic. It's not some formula of five steps, you know. It says, I'm, I'm just going to wait. Well, I need an answer now. I need a move now because we like pushing the button and being here it comes. Throw it in the microwave and that's it. And the reality is we want it now. And so we're looking for the easiest way to try to determine God's will. So, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this and I'm going to use a formula. Number one, it doesn't work. Just doesn't work. And you can be self-fulfilling prophecies. Here's one. You've been dating a while. And she is a natural blonde. Not many around today. She's a natural blonde and finally the time has come. She has expressed her interest that she wants to get married. But you are a follower of Jesus Christ. God, I need to know if she's the one. And so you pray, God, here it is. You just had lunch with her. And you have a date that night at a company party. And you say in the afternoon, God, if she shows up tonight, still a natural blonde, I'm going to know that she's the one I need to marry. You go pick her up. Guess what? She's still a natural blonde. And you say, God, that was my formula. Darling, sugar babe, sweetness. 
I humbly ask you, would you marry me? She says, I thought you'd never ask. Here's a Latin word. Hogwash. Hogwash. Nothing to it. But oh, it's a formula. It's a formula. Look at it. It's not God's, not God's way. It just doesn't work. It's a self-fulfilling prophecy. Number two, formulas tend to contradict one another. Oh, yeah, they do. Number three, if you think God's will is a formula, you have to follow it perfectly. You, you, if you, you get a bad result, you have to follow it. Per, if it's a formula, I can't make any mistakes. Cannot be an error in judgment. Has to be perfect. Well, you know what? I'm, I'm, when I make stuff, my, my grandson, that would be Grant. Grant FaceTimed us the other night, and, and uh, it was cold up there where he's at. He's in the Army, and... Uh, and so I said, you know, he's FaceTiming, and I said, Grant, man, it's about dinner time. I'm smelling something good there at your house. He looked at me, go. He said, oh, Granddad's chilly. I made some chili. Now, his wife works a little bit away and from home, and she was coming home for dinner. And, and I said, wow, Grant, where did, where did you get a recipe for chili? He said, you know, I thought he'd say, Kelly, my mom, the mother of all chefs, or maybe Graham. He said, I Googled it. I said, you Googled it? Yeah, I Googled it, granddad. Smells pretty good, doesn't it? I said, sure it does. Now, we're FaceTiming. <laughs> About that time, Brittany, his wife, walked in and said, ooh, what's for dinner? He didn't, she didn't know that we were FaceTiming. She said, I smelled it all the way out in the garage. I said, I hope, hope you followed that recipe. Now listen, when I cook, when I bake, I never follow the recipe perfectly. I always have to add a little something in it. How many know what I'm talking about? Sharon will say, if I go over to the oven and she's got something cooking and she hears the lid come off, she'll say, don't you mess with that. Because she knows I might need to add a little hot sauce in there. She knows I might put a little Worcestershire, put a little more salt, a little garlic. Just she knows something might need to go in there. But hey, if you follow this formula, when you say, oh, the will of God is this, you can't make any mistakes. It's like the young minister I was talking to. Hey, God told me. I said, the minute you say that, there is no mistakes to you. Someone asked me uh, not long ago what I thought about this prophet. And I looked at the prophet. And this person's up and coming in their relationship with Jesus Christ. And I, I Googled the prophet. Problem is, made a big prophecy that that Donald Trump would be elected by a landslide and have a second term. 
His big prophecy. Well, guess what? That didn't happen. Do you know what the Bible says you do to somebody who stands flat-footed and gives a prophecy? You know what the Bible says do? Take them to lunch. That's right. After lunch, stone them so they die on a full stomach. No, it says stone them. So you say, well, that's, that's a formula. Or I calculated another that I read the other day. I calculated when the Lord is going to come again. And it's going to be in 2022. Do you know how many people that's calculated that the Lord was coming and have been doing it for the last hundreds of years? Well, pastor, when do you think he is going to come? When he gets ready? Amen? Isn't that a good answer? When he gets ready. Until then, I'm going to remain faithful and I'm going to endeavor to stay in the will of God. Well, you, you might say, I made a wrong choice. And I thought I was following, but I lost the focus and I made a wrong choice. I, 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 I got an abortion. And now, now I'm not, now sister so-and-so, little sister so-and-so in the church told me that I wasn't worthy of being a member of the church and I didn't really need to come back and God could not use me. And I want to tell a person like that, go tell sister so-and-so to keep her opinion to herself. God can use you, you know, because in the love of God, the will of God is this. Every time you make a mistake, if you come to him and say, Lord, forgive me, God says forgiven, amen, not to be remembered anymore. No matter what you've done, you can cast your care on the Lord. God's will is fellowship. God's will is fellowship and it's friendship. And here's what we find in 1 Corinthians 1, 9. God who has called you into this wonderful friendship with his son, Jesus Christ, is faithful. Now, oftentimes, the Bible compares uh, the Bible and the relationship with Christ, uh, compares it, of course, to marriage. Marriage. Now, marriage, that's a wonderful relationship, don't you think? Maybe we talked about that last week. But marriage, when you first get married, you don't know everything about each other. Did you know that? You very seldom discuss which side of the bed each other sleeps on. Oh, Brother Blamer, it doesn't make any difference to me. I, I'm just going to be close enough to her when we get married. It won't matter. Yeah, it will matter. It will matter. Say that with me. It will matter. Put will emphasis. It will matter. She says, you know what? I thought everybody took two baths a day. He gets a shower in the morning and works all day and comes in and doesn't want to take a bath in the evening. And Pastor, that's just not romantic. I said, if that's what he does, it doesn't have to be romantic. Just say to him, you stinketh. That's the King James Version. So you set guidelines. You're first married. Here's what I want you to do, doofus. I want you to take a bath when you come in from work. That's a guideline. That's a rule here. 
I didn't marry you for that. You loved me all the other times. You telling me now you're letting a rule? Yeah. Yeah, I am doof. Until you do. You're going to sleep on the couch. And I'm taking the bed. That okay? Well, well, there's another thing. Doof. The thing that's on the toilet called the lid, toilet lid, seat, put it down. You understand? I never had to put it down at home. I had three brothers. Do you see any of your brothers now, Doof? It's me. Let's have another rule. Put the lid down. Say that with me. Put the lid down. Do you know why I did that? So you can't leave here and said, Pastor said. All of you said it. So you have these guidelines, but you know what happens? The more you get into fellowship, the more you get into friendship, the more you get into relationship, the more you enjoy that will that you walk in on a daily basis. You don't need the rules anymore. You're not rule-driven. You're not rigid. You just say, man, if that offends her, I don't ever want to do that again. Darling, I'll take three baths if that's what you want. Doesn't matter to me. Listen, and she said one more thing. I don't want you ever again in front of your buddies and we're together and they're, they're girlfriends. I don't want you to ever to mem- mention again how plump I am. If you do, the toilet seat will be the last of your worries. <laughs> and I don't want you to mention my weight. I don't want you to mention my weight. I said, I don't want you to mention my weight. Eventually, Lord, an amen will come (laughs) and I can move on. Here's another thing. Attitude is key in relationships. Attitude. Say, I've got a good attitude. Come on. I've got a good attitude. It just gets out of whack once in a while. But I've got a good attitude, especially when I'm trying to determine the will of God. Hey, God, I've got a great attitude to try to talk to you. What what does that mean? Don't be fatalistic about God's will. Don't be fatalistic like, what will it be? Whatever, Whatever will be, will be. That's just the way it is, and it's a passive life. It's God's will. It doesn't matter what I say, what I do, how I pray, how I choose. God's will. He's going to do what he wants to do no matter what. No, he's not. Why do you think he gave you that brain? That you might choose that which is good and perfect. Come on, somebody. God said, I want to work with you here. I'm in love with you. I've got a relationship. 
So if you live the kind of life that is just, hey, I'm going to passively slide through life, and you have no opportunity to speak in to, hey, God, this is what I'm looking for, then the reality is, the reality is God gets blamed for all the bad stuff. And then we might say when good stuff happens, I was really lucky. Please don't ever use the term luck in front of me as a believer. Because the Bible says the footsteps of a righteous man are ordered of the Lord, not ordered and lucky if you get there. Luck is happenstance. Good things happen in our lives. And so here's what he says. Don't be fatalistic, you know, about it. Here's what he, hey, pray this prayer. Lord, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Why? On earth things happen imperfectly. You get it wrong sometimes. In heaven, there are no mistakes. Everything is perfect. Your husband snores in heaven or snores on earth in heaven, no snore. No snore. But in heaven, you won't be married to him either. <laughs> Heard an amen. It's unhealthy when we have a fatalistic attitude, when we say things, thy will be done, my Lord. If I say thy will be done, that could really upset the apple cart. I might, I might have to go to, with Randy Herring and be a missionary in his ministry if I pray, God, thy will be done, and God, you speak to me, and I got to give up my life in my comfort to be able to go down to Honduras, I, I don't want to pray that prayer. God, you might call me into ministry. To pray that prayer, that, that could be dangerous. John 7, 17, if anyone chooses to do God's will, he will find out whether my teachings come from God. If anyone chooses, you get to choose. How do you choose? How do you prepare? In every situation that God has changed in ministry for me, I have, by the grace of God, given and sacrificed time and ability to say, I've got to get alone with God and not put a timeline on it. God, you have, you, I need to hear from you. And I will stay listening and reading and praying until I hear from you. And when I hear from you, I will do as you say. I don't have to be afraid when I pray Thy will be done. Or God, maybe sometimes you might change my lifestyle. And God said, hey, I'm talking to you about your little problem with gambling. I need to see that change. I'm talking to you about your little drinking. You don't get drunk too much, but my will is you just leave that alone. 
you know, or you, you might be harsh and just a loud mouth and don't take anyone's feeling. Maybe, maybe I need to see that change a little bit. Lord, your will be done in my life. Why? Because God says, in my will. This is, this is Jeremiah 29, 11, okay? Oh, God, I love, I claim Jeremiah 29, 11. Let me tell you how you get 29, 11. It's in the will of God, okay? You don't show up for church once every six months and crack the Bible open when somebody in the family dies and then say, Jeremiah 29, 11 is mine. Let me tell you, Jeremiah 29, 11 happens to be for those speaks people who follow after God, who've said, thy will be done. I know the plans I have, says the Lord, to prosper, not harm, plans to give you hope and plans to give you a future. And then here's another, don't be frustrated about God's will. Don't be frustrated. That's where a lot of people are today. I, I asked for God's will. He didn't give it. I, frust- I gave God a timeline and he didn't pay any attention to it. You're given the creator of the universe timelines. You are giving him a timeline. He can wait you out the rest of your life. Amen. He can wait you out. Doesn't matter to him. Well, I'm frustrated. I prayed and prayed and nothing happened. I prayed for his will. And matter of fact, so-and-so over there, the other family in the church, they prayed about something in their life and, and, and they got it right away. And they don't even have devotions. They don't go to church regularly. They don't have, they don't read the Bible. He's got some sins that are doing and you answered their prayer. And God says, it's none of your business. For the plan I have for you is a different path than the plan I have for them. For the path that I have for you is going to take you places that your neighbor will never go. I'm talking about God's will. And then here's another area. Since you're asking, are you asking? Are you asking up there in the balcony? You're asking, I knew. You're going to have problems and pleasure. But you will never have pleasure unless you have problems. Because pleasure comes often out of an experience of problems. You might be saying, well, buddy, I ought to be getting a dump truck load of pleasures coming my way then. Because I have experienced some kind of problems. Problems happen. One problem is here today and, and it'll be gone tomorrow. And his sister will show up. And that'll be another problem. And then that problem's cousin will come. And then your aunt and uncle problems will come. But here's the important value. Problems don't stay forever. God brings pleasure out of problems. Hebrews 11:6 talks about the right attitude is not fear, fatalism, frustration, but it's faith. We walk by faith. Say that with me. We walk by faith. 
Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. Now, here's what we know. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. Can we say that together? Without faith, it is impossible to please God. So, I would like God to write out what his will is in the sky or on a wall. And God says, I don't need to. I've already written it. You just are not willing to spend the time to find it. I'm not going around hiding my will from you. I've given it to you. You just discover it. You discover it. But for you to discover it, it'll take getting this word in you, reading this word, studying this word, and memorizing this word so that when you're attacked, you can tell the devil the word of God says. And then to walk in the will of God takes faith. Now, in the Old Testament, the New Testament, Jesus' day, often uh, their lamps, you take them out in the wilderness, etc., would go out or the fuel would go out or whatever the case. But often, here's what they do, and I saw some of these in Israel when I was there uh, a couple of years ago, whenever we were there. They would take uh, the sandals, and they, had to, they would strap a little tiny covered candle that had just for oxygen on top of their sandals. That wasn't real bright. But it was enough to take a step. Not enough to take three steps, but a step. And here's what God says to all of us. I'm going to reveal my will to you. One step at a time. You're going to learn to walk by faith. You're going to learn the value of understanding that. But God, if you don't mind, <clears throat> I'm a type A personality. I like 10 steps at a time. Now, Doofus over there who's already blown it with his wife, he can only get a half a step at a time. But he's not the mover and the shaker that I am. He's content with a half a step. I want about 10 steps. And God says, that's your problem. You're not happy with just one step. You think you ought to have 10. There's no trust in that. So we will know the will of God one step at a time. And God will illuminate what that next step needs to be.
when we take the first step. Everybody with me out there? Well, why don't we stand, give the Lord a clap offering, and let's land the plane. Come on. Here you go. So, Heavenly Father, I thank you because failure, failure is not a part of your plan for any of us. You said in Psalms 119, your word is a lamp to my feet and it's a light to my path. That's one step. You said that. And Father God, I know there are little decisions, they're big decisions. And I know that in our life, we want to set timelines. And, and then there are times we just don't care because we know what the numbers look like and we know that we've got favor with people. And that favor comes and we count that favor from others as the will of God. And yet, here's what we find in the deep of our heart. We don't have the peace from the Spirit of God in us. Even though we have favor with people. Even though the numbers work. If we don't have that word. You might let us go ahead and do the permissive will. But we won't have the total fulfillment of Jeremiah 29.11 unless we're walking in step with you. And Lord, there might be some in this room that they've kind of got together a little plan. A little plan of action for their marriage, for their home, for their future. And that plan of little plan is self-serving. That plan is, God, if she comes to be a blonde tonight, then I'll know she's the one. We might have those little plans, and, but we've not waited it out before you. We don't have the peace. We may not have money in our pocket but we have the peace that money cannot buy that comes from you. So help us, Lord. I'm gonna ask everyone to repeat this prayer. Please, everyone do it. Here's why I say everyone. You might be seated beside a person that's really struggling. You don't know what's going on in their heart. And we say we'd like for you to repeat the prayer and you don't. It might be just the little moment of discouragement they need because they have trust in you to be obedient. So can we repeat this prayer after me together? Here we go. Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father I thank you for Jesus Christ, thank you for Jesus Christ who, died on the cross who died on the cross for my sins. For my sins. I admit that I've made mistakes. I've done things wrong. I've done things wrong. I've been arrogant. I've been arrogant. I've been selfish. I've been selfish. I've been self-centered. I've been self-centered. And I ask you for forgiveness. And I ask you for forgiveness. So would you right now, so would you right now hear, my prayer? hear my prayer? And would you forgive me? Would you forgive me? Would you create in me, you create in me a, pure heart? a pure heart? Would you help me love those, would you help me love those who are unlovable? 
Help me love those. Help me love those. That I don't think needs my love. Needs my love. Help me to love them. Help me to love them. Now, Father, I give you my heart. I give you my heart. I will take one step at a time. I will take one step at a time. And I will lean on you. I will lean on you. To be able to pray. To be able to pray. Thy will be done. Thy will be done. On earth. As it is in heaven. In Jesus' name. Amen. Would you give the Lord a clap offering? Would you do that? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Isn't God good? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. You know, I know that this is against the rules. But I, I'm going to be obedient. If you're an altar worker and you have your mask, I'm going to ask about three or four of you altar workers to come and stand here with your mask. And I'm going, to, I'm going to be specific. If you have been struggling with decisions and needing to know desperately what God's will is, I'm not looking for the casual ones, but I'm looking for those who say, man, you're ringing my bell. I know I'm doing a little out of the ordinary now, but out of the ordinary sometimes works just fine in God's economy. And as they sing worship, you might come down. If you have a mask, I encourage you to wear it when you come down. Say, well, I didn't wear my mask. You Still, it's important. These people will have masks. Can we do that? How many think that'll be okay? Oh, thank you so much. I know you'd agree. So, Father, we leave this up to you now. We are afraid and we step out of the box. We step out of the box, but we pray a miracle be done in this altar right now. In the name of Jesus, let a miracle be done. And we'll give you praise. We're going to continue to worship. And as you need to slip out, God bless you as you go. If you need to come down, you come on down, friend. God love you. Amen. Behave as you leave.